All right, welcome back. We're here with uh, Michael Sala, Pulitzer Prize-winning Michael Sala, writer, reporter, um, head of organized crime, corruption. Is that your beat for the Pittsburgh Post? You know, it seems to be these days, but I'm the deputy managing editor for investigations, and it runs the gamut, but organized crime certainly is a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think most of the stories that I follow from you have, have been in that organized crime lane, and it's pretty in, it's pretty fun stuff, and yeah, how hard, like, when you are looking at an organized crime story, like, wh- what's the first place you start? Like, where do you go? Like, how do you know? How do you know that there might be organized crime afoot? You know, the patterns, I've done this for so long. You start to see patterns that that may not be organized crime, but they certainly are the hallmarks. And it's it can typically be anything, money laundering. It could be, uh, in this case, there's a lot of Russian organized crime in the country. We track a lot of it in South Florida. So you have that element. And um, um, you invariably just, you know, you you find that people are in groups doing the same patterns and ripping off untold numbers of people. It typically goes back in many cases to organized crime. Now, a lot of yours deal, it seems like a lot of your stories have dealt with, well, at least the ones that I've been interested in, especially the the one on the Ukrainian oligarch who, yeah. who bought the waterfront of Cleveland yeah. um, with taxpayer money. Yeah. Um, a lot of them involved with Russia, Ukraine, some of the Eastern European countries. What, what do you think most of your, your stories are not... <laughs> Let me refer. I'm not trying to say you have it. Not you. Why do you think a lot of these stories emanate from that area? Well, you know, we um, it started this particular thread of stories, which is it may be going on now four years. Started with a leak out of the Treasury Department of what is known as suspicious activity reports, and those are filed by the big banks in New York when they see money coming through that carries patterns that typically amount to fraud and money laundering. And what we found in here was an entire network of people out of Eastern Europe and Russia moving their money into the United States. Typically, it's money that was generated illegally, and then it's laundered through because U.S. dollars are the gold standard. People want their money here, and there's all sorts of ways to hide it. LLCs, you can hide it through registered agents. Uh, If you read the Pandora Papers investigation, you found that states like Wyoming, the the Dakotas, um, places like Delaware, um, Nevada, they have very liberal laws that allow people to hide ownership. Great places. The great, you know, we talked about the Cayman Islands and the British Virgin Islands for like, you know, money laundering havens. Look no further than places like Delaware, Wyoming, and Nevada. 
right, in the, in the good old United States. So there is a whole network of organized crime out of Eastern Europe in Russia that we tracked in these documents that were filed by the big banks in New York, and that kind of took off from there and allowed us to see, yeah, that's where it was. And, and you know, another place where I, I've, and this story is what um, we're talking about, Inventing Anna, which uh, was was uh, was Michael's big story in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, which is going to deal with Anna de Rothschild. Um, we'll get that to that in a minute. But one of the uh, one of the key points here is that they used charities to uh, to launder the Russian gang, Russian um, thieves in life, uh, which is one of the biggest right crime syndicates in in Russia. Mm-hmm. But they used a, a charity, a couple of a couple of charities in the United States to launder their money. So. It looks like it's not just LLCs and and you know shadow corporations, but charities also are right. Have you seen that other uh, elsewhere? It happens. It's um, not as much, but you know, think about it. How easy it is to pour money into a charity, which is you're not going to suspect that that vehicle is going to be used to clean and then move dirty dollars, right? So it becomes perfect place to do it. And and this was a Florida charity. Nobody was lucky. So, Michael, let's talk about your story. Inventing Anna, um, I thought it was really interesting. So what, what I liked about it, and so we're talking about Anna de Roth's child. Um, well, that was her, that was the name she used. Um, she, her, I'm going to have tr- trouble with this. Let me know how bad I kill it. Yana Yashishin? Ina, how close am I? That's okay. Ina Yashishin. Ina Yashishin. Very good. Ina Yashishin was a Ukrainian who spoke Russian, and her father was a truck driver in Illinois. But where we pick up the story, she's at Mar-a-Lago, um, whining and dining, see pictures of her with Donald Trump, with Lindsey Graham, with big Republican donors, and she is going by the name of Anna DeRoth's child. Now, do you want to explain to folks, especially some of the younger folks, who the Rothschilds are? Sure. Well, the Rothschilds are one of the most um, largest and wealthiest banking dynasty families in the world. They came out of Europe. They were um, known for longer. I mean, they've been around, we're talking centuries. And that's the name she picked to work as a camouflage for her. That was her fake name. She had driver's licenses and passports made up in that name, fake birthplace. Even she even used an address of a elaborate, you know, fifteen million dollar mansion in Miami Beach as the the address where a place she never lived, obviously. And she she Enya Shisha turned herself into Anna de Rothschild. She traveled on corporate jets. She wore the Van Cleef and Arpel bracelets and Rolex watches, and she had everybody fooled. Now, I know, well, I was, I was looking at your story, and, um, and I know you guys kept putting in there that she was driving a Mercedes SUV, and I'm like thinking, dude, you can get a Mercedes SUV for like 25K. No. But hers was 170. Yeah. So evidently, yeah. I'm in the wrong place. She had the high end one. <laughs> she, had the, she had just bought it, too, like a month or two earlier. Yeah. 
So what was, uh, first of all, I don't want to get to how she was found out, right, yet, um, but what was her goal in infiltrating? Well, first of all, before we get there, what is Mar-a-Lago? Because I think I'm like other people. I just thought it was Donald Trump's house, but it's actually more than a house, right? As I've read the stories and I've done a little more research into it after reading your stories, it's a club too? It's a club and a house? Yeah. I don't. So it's semi-public? Well, let me explain. So Mar-a-Lago is a huge 17-acre compound in Palm Beach. So think, you know, what's what's similar to Palm Beach? You have Beverly Hills, right? So this is Palm Beach, and this is this elaborate mansion. The mansion was built by E.F. Hutton and Meriwether Post from the Post Serial Post Toasty Serial Fortune. I know. Isn't that an amazing marriage oh, that those two yeah. got together? Two it's amazing. Wealthy, wealthy side, and they developed that there was 56 bathrooms in this elaborate mansion. So Donald Trump bought it for $10 million, very cheap, going back probably 25, 30 years ago. And he turned it into a home, a residence, and a private club. Initially, I think it cost 100000 to join. So it is a private club. Yes, it's both. It's both his primary residence. It was known as the Winter White House during his four years in office. And he often hosted world leaders and some of the most powerful elected leaders in the country. would come there, they'd stay, they'd dine, they'd kiss the ring and say, hey, I've been to Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> you know, I have just illustrated my ignorance because I am actually in politics. That's what I do for a living. And I never knew Mar-a-Lago was a private club. I always thought it was just a house, right? It was like Monticello. Um, you know, he gave his house a name like many people do with, you know, grander homes. But I never knew it was a club, man, because uh, I you, I have heard people go, oh, yeah, we went to Mar-a-Lago. And I was like, damn, you went to his house? But I guess, you know, if you can, if you, you know, if there was an event there and you can tag along to the event, you can say you went to Mar-a-Lago. Okay. Yeah. So she was going to Mar-a-Lago. She got entrance into Mar-a-Lago as Anna de Rothschild, uh, Inna did, right? Yes. Inna Yashishin. Yes. And here's what I want to, here's what I've wondered. What was her goal? Was this was this some sort of intelligence deal or was this just fraud? And she went to Mar-a-Lago because that's where people with a lot of money hung out, right? And that's where people like her go to, to you know, do their fraudy stuff. Yeah. So I wasn't clear on that from the story. So do you want to get a little more into that and what your thoughts sure. are? Sure. And the reason why you're probably more clear on it is that I don't think we are either her, her real motive. We do know this that she sought out wealthy people and tried to get their money. So that occurred on several occasions. She dated a lot of guys with money, and um, she was a grifter. So she also then finds herself um, being invited there, and there were a couple things at play. Number one, she um, was looking to look for new streams of money you know, looking for new pockets, new pods, new pools of cash for her to exploit and to get a hold of. That's what she did. That was number one. Number two, we can get into it later. She had ripped off the, these cr criminals known as the Thieves-in-Law. This is a Eurasian group. This is a, I should say, Eastern Europe, Russian group 
uh, who came out of the gulags. These are not guys you want to mess with. She ripped them off for hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they were also looking for her at the same time. She arrives at Mar-a-Lago in May of 2021, last year, and for several days, she was in and out of there, several times, I should say, as well, in and out of there, nobody checking her ID, nobody even doing background on her, while the Secret Service is all over the place. So she, let's bring another person into the picture now, a gentleman by the name of Valerie Tarasenko. Sure. Um, Valerie Tarasenko is a mysterious person. So this is a a, a gentleman. Uh, Valerie obviously goes, you know, both ways and uh, is a name that goes Correct. for both genders in Russia. Um, so Valerie Tarasenko, a man, is someone that she's had a relationship with for quite a period of time. I think she apparently started as a nanny, um, according to him. Right. I don't know what her story is. Um, and that he created a in Canada, he created a charity called United Hearts of Mercy. And when you and I were talking earlier about money being laundered, apparently they were taking Monday money from the thieves in law. Right. The Russian mob, this this specific Russian mob. And they were supposed to, I think, keep 40 and send back 60. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. Creep, that, so so Tarasenko's deal um, was he would keep 40 percent of the money and send them back 60. And now it's been laundered. Um, but they weren't sending anything back. Right. No. What happened was Valerie started this company in Canada, this charity. And she took the idea and said, let me start it in the United States called United Hearts of Mercy out of Miami. She she formed it as a Miami U.S. charity. We don't know how much or what went through the Canadian charity, but she took the idea with Valerie's blessing and opened up United Hearts of Mercy of Florida. And that's when it started. She started taking in money from the Russian organized criminals. So, so Valerie's um, charity might or might might or might not have been doing the right the right thing, or they might or might not have been laundering. Who knows, right? Because he's not disclosing. But what we do know is that Rothschild, she was definitely taking the 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 gangster money, and in addition, not only taking gangster money. She was saying, F you, I'm keeping it all. Yeah, not a good thing to do. It's not one of the things you wanted to do with the thieves-in-law. I, I don't know if you ever remember the movie The Equalizer, with, with no, Denzel, no. the first movie. But he wipes out a room of these guys with tattoos and nose rings and earrings. And that's who these guys are. And you don't, yeah. with, you know, you don't want to do that. So, yeah. And that's where it goes. This is the gang. These are the guys who have the two stars on their shoulders, yes. right? They yes. have the star on each shoulder. That's correct. Right. Yeah. Eight, that's eight, right. So, yeah. Eight pointed stars. And, uh, yeah, and that's where she – we have all the text messages, WhatsApp messages from them to her threatening her, even the voicemails. Pretty nasty, pretty vet, nasty, aggressive stuff that you don't want to have targeting you anytime soon, you know. So they were actually sending her pictures, right, of her apartment. Yeah, pictures of her apartment. They also had uh, beaten the daylights out of a guy named Yashi, who later died because he owed them $45,700. And they sent her a picture saying, you want to meet somebody that just ripped this off? Meet Yashi. 
Yeah, I did. I saw the I saw the text messages in your story, especially the online version where you can tap into the text messages. That was pretty cool. Um, and I guess they showed a picture of Yashi all beaten and naked. And um, so at this time, so here's my question. For, here's another question I had. What was her – do we know anything about her before she appears on the fraud radar? What was her childhood like? Where did she grow up? What kind of a person grows up to say, not only am I going to assume – the name of a billionaire heiress, I'm going to tell the Russian mob to F themselves. <laughs> like, what was her, how did she grow up? She grew up in a small town in Ukraine and emigrated here when she was a young teenager and, and with her father and mother and brother. And as we said, as you said earlier, the father became a truck driver in Palatine, Illinois. The mother, I think, cleaned doctor's offices. And the brother uh, moved to Canada, lived there. And um, she started out um, working for, um, as a young, uh, a little older teenager, probably in her early 20s, she got a job um, working in a place called Miami Mama. And that's a Russian um, company that, that helps uh, Russian women come to the United States and have their babies in the U.S. in Miami so that they can then get citizenship for themselves and their children. That was her first uh, foray into the business world. And um, um, that was it. Yeah, And then she later married a guy uh, in her early 20s um, so that she could get a permanent U.S. residency. He was a Russian who had um, a U.S. citizenship. And she married him, but it was only, and as he said, it was all strictly for the green card. And um, that was her beginning. And uh, when do we know that she went into the life of grifting? At what point? Well, I think they <laughs> could start it with the wedding of this guy who she never really even, he said they never even consummated their marriage. I don't want to get too personal about that, but <laughs> he clearly made his point that, you know, this was what it was all about. Um, and then she um, later hooked up with these um, Armenian, a group of Armenians who were carrying out Medicare fraud. And she didn't get nailed, but they did. And, and eventually okay. went to prison for their crimes. And that's where she started networking initially with members of Russian organized crime in South Florida. That area, okay. you have to understand that area of Sunny Isles Beach where all those Trump condos are, that's little mm -hmm. Moscow. It's also a repository of Russian organized crime. And I've covered, you, you had asked me earlier how I got acquainted. I've been covering that since probably for the last 10 years. I was then at the Miami Herald. I was an investigations editor reporter. So that's when I first was introduced to that world. That's the world that she came up in and started making her bones in. Yeah, I was going to ask you because most of your stories do have a – most of your stories that deal with like Ukraine and, and, and Russia, they have a Miami – somewhere there's a Miami connection. So I was going to ask you, what is it with Miami? <laughs> but I guess that's – there's just a lot of settlement there, there's right? A, there, are a lot there, of Russia. there is a saying that journalists – well, first of all, Miami is the candy store of American journalism. It's just an incredible place that you just can't make this stuff up, Right. I mean, think about the headline in the New York Post when Trump announced 
because it was Florida man announces for presidency, right? So all, <laughs> we used to have a saying in journalism, all bad roads lead to Miami. And I remember after 9-11, us, we're thinking, oh, no, no, at, the, at this point, we don't know all, everything, anything about these pilots other than we, we believe they came out of the Middle East and they did what they, they did what they did. But one of the editors said something like, just wait, we're going to find out there's a connection here to South Florida. And holy shit, wasn't it that? We find out three days later they did all their flight training in, in and around South Florida, Miami, <laughs> places like that. So, you know, it's, it's an old story, but it's true that this so much comes out of there. And it's a witch's brew for all that stuff. And it does include, remember the old days of, you know, Miami Vice and the Colombian cartel and, you know, all the different 70 percent of the cocaine that came into the United States right through South Florida. So, you know, it's always had this history. So so now Valerie Tarasenko. So what was the relationship between him and her? We know that she caught, sounds like she got his permission to create a similar charity down in South Florida to either copy or go down a bad road with what he was doing with with um with the United Hearts of Mercy. What what was the relationship between those two? Because if you read the story after she gets caught, and I, I hate to jump ahead of myself so far here, but after she gets caught, she essentially says, hey, man, this is all Valerie. Valerie Terry, hey, man, he he controls everything. I don't know about any of these fake ID cards. That was Valerie. He's framing me. So, I mean, how much of that is true? Oh, it's a good question. Valerie um, and, her, and they lived together, and they were, they, were, they were a couple, off and on, back and forth. Valerie initially um, runs her on different things. Like, in other words, yeah, go ahead, date this guy, see how much he's got, see if he's interested in you developing property with him, whatever it might be. And so she gets her early training with Valerie as well. Valerie's from Russia. He was born in Ukraine, raised in Moscow. Um, he worked for various characters in Moscow, made a significant amount of money, and immigrated to the United States in and around 2010 um, with about a million dollars, and he moved to Montreal. And then he eventually uh, buys a place in South Florida, and that's where he meets Ina Yashishin, also Ukraine. Okay. Um, and they start to, you know, he brings her in to his home to watch his kids, and they become a couple for a while. Eventually, she goes rogue on him. She took his training and took it to a whole nother level. And that's where they kind of broke. It's like, now, Valerie has a daughter named Sophia, she, who's a pretty good singer. So they formed a company called Rothschild Media Label. And they were able to, um, the Ina was the, Ina Yashisha was the president of this company while she was president of the charity. And she took the bull by the horns. I mean, she promoted uh, Sophia while she always looked for money. She dated a lot of guys. I interviewed about five of them, five or six. And they all said that she still owes them money. One guy, she owes 90000 another 25000 
another 25000 And just she would get their credit cards. And all of a sudden they would get a call saying, sir, this doesn't look like you're kind of a purchase. It's not part of your pattern. And so that would be the end of that relationship. And then it would be on to another one. So she was a she was an old fashioned grifter in her own yeah. way, even though modern 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 sure. grifter, um, and she eventually broke with Valerie, and it, over a lot of different differences, I, I I don't think Valerie had anything to do with her ripping off the thieves in law. Um, I think he thought she was pretty dumb for doing it, and he ended up getting some of the calls from these guys. One guy was named Artok. And our talk lives in Eastern Europe. And our talk was very angry and eventually, you know, was hunting down Anna to see where she was and trying to find her. Um, we interviewed him later, by the way. So that's her like thing with Valerie. It's a mixed bag. I think Valerie did help her. Um, and Sophia may have helped generate the IDs and the passports. She used them. Those were hers. The, the driver's license was a legitimately issued driver's license from Florida with her picture that had the name Anna de Rothschild with an address of an elaborate mansion in Miami Beach, oceanfront mansion, or bayfront mansion, I should say. Um, that was hers. That was not, nobody was, nobody had a chip in her ear and was telling her what to do at various times. Maybe. You know, it, do I think, though, that Valerie had a sense of control on her. Yeah, I think he did for a while. And then I think it all broke. But she went rogue. Yeah, maybe the deal was that, you know, at least, you know, I think Valerie was probably a crook, right? But these crooks oh, have yeah. their own internals, their internal sense of right and wrong in the crook world, right? He's not going to He's not gonna go against the thieves-in-law, right? He knows no, better. No. Or she's just a grifter, Grifters have no rules. They just float from grift to grift. And, you know, they try, they, they don't, they don't, they never change. They just try to learn as to why the last one failed. And the next one's going to be even better. And that's what it sounds like to me. You know, Valerie had an internal crook compass. Anna was just a grifter. She was just going to go until her looks gave out. She had no, Valerie had, uh, there were rail, there were guardrails on. With his, right, he knew right. what he could do, what he can't do. He's and, and um, she was was rogue. She went rogue on almost every front, including him. I think and, and ended up ripping him off. So I think at the end of the day, this is a story of you know. And quite frankly, I mean, you know, you what's the old saying when you you know. Um, well, we won't go there. <laughs> okay. Birds of a feather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's plenty of them to choose from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So the Rothschild music, right? So that was uh, kind of a uh, a vehicle for Valerie's child, right, to create a budding singing career. Did is that where she got the name, the idea for the Rothschild um, yeah, bogus name? I do. I think that they decided that Rothschild is a very prominent name. Let's use it. Um, let's use it to our advantage. Yashishin's not going to cut it. I can tell you that right <laughs> now. And neither is Tarasenko, for that matter. But Rothschild, that's got a ring to it. Yeah. That's part of a mm -hmm. European banking dynasty, the likes of yeah. which they don't have anymore. There just isn't big families like that anymore. And um, she picked the name Anna, 
Anna De, Anna De Rothschild, and um, it fit. And she she was, so, she pulled it off. Yeah. So so what is a what is a grifting person who's hooked up to a uh, a, a royal a name of you know economic royalty? What do they do? They go where the whales are, and she yeah. happens to live right down the street from Whale Mart, Mar-a-Lago. Um, yeah. And so all the people that are trying to engender themselves with the former president, all the all the fundraisers, all the donors, she knows that's where they're all hanging out because grifters know this stuff. They just do. There's like a grifter network, and um, and so she gets she knows who to meet. She's still you know relatively attractive. You know she's 33, so she's still in her you know she's she can still work it. Um, she's got her expensive car. And um, she's got the Russian mob chasing her, right? Because she is laundering the thieves and law money and refuse. She's ghosting them in their own words. She ghosted us <laughs> when she's supposed to be sending them 40% of their money, 60% of their money back. Um, and so she has not a care in the world and, you know, plods on down to Mar-a-Lago and using that name, people know that name, especially the fundraisers, right? Because that's a world I, I, you know, I get along. I, that's a world that I uh, deal in. They know that name and they're like, oh, come on in. Zero vetting, right? Zero vetting by anyone there, especially the, see, I uh, hate to get off on a tangent because a lot of the comments on your story deal with Trump, right? They're like, ah, oh, Trump, see, Trump this, Trump that. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know, but to me, it's more Secret Service. Where were they? That's the that's the fault here. So anyway, what are your thoughts on that? No, all of that. You 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 nailed it. It really wasn't about Trump. Um, it, it's part of the world that he creates. So the, he, you know, he's a former president, and certainly while he was president, there were breaches there. He he chose to make that his winter White House, and continues to use that as an epicenter. Of Republican politics. So don't mm-hmm. forget, every former president, I believe it started with, oh my God, it goes way back when they would get Secret Service protection in their post-presidency. And he is one of many. Bill Clinton gets it. Mm-hmm. You know, Barack Obama gets it. Jimmy Carter gets it. Uh, George W. So, you know, they're there to guard him. And they're there to provide security for all the various wealthy and prominent people that go there. It's a public place, and yet it's a private club. So Mm -hmm. they never checked her ID. They never checked her background. Anybody can just roll in there. She drove in there and in and out five times in two days, and nobody once checked her ID the entire time. (laughs) Now, this is all why the secret records the highly confidential and explosive mm-hmm. records belonging to the government were in Mar-a-Lago in storage there at the same time. Also, the president, former president, was there in his residence with the first lady the whole time, in and out. So she could have been, she could have planted bombs and nobody would have known, you know, for that. Yeah. And so, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, so it is on that secret service. And part of our whole reason for doing the story was that it would, it, 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 it revealed breaches. It revealed yeah. weaknesses in a place that, I mean, now he's running for president again. And God knows he could, could he potentially get elected? Who knows? But if he did, you're going to open up that place all over again to prominent world leaders 
and on a Duras shot. When you when I look at your story and the pictures that you have in there and the people that she's with and the people that she mingled with, I mean, she was there with everybody. She was there with Rand Paul. She was there with Giuliani. She was there with the cream of the cream of the GOP donors down in Palm Beach, right? Because that's where the real money is. And those are the folks that are giving millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars to these causes. And she had full access. And not only did they not vet her, as we discussed, they actually treated her with kick gloves because they didn't want to offend her. Um, didn't some even fly her down to properties because they wanted her to maybe sell the properties for them or develop properties? What, what was what happened there? Yeah, the, they're, the um, Barton family um, developed a um, beautiful development in um, on uh, Exuma Island in, in the Bahamas, the Grand Bahamas. And um, she was putting herself out there as a real estate mover and shaker, broker type. And she, they, they flew her there four or five times because she was going to get a cut of the commission. If she was able to sell it, she would get about, I think they offered 7.5% of a $55 million sale. Now, that's not a big deal, but she used that later when she would be at Mar-a-Lago. She would say, this was a Rothschild family development. And this right. is one of the many developments I have going. She also said she was going to develop a um, Formula One racing track, a racing um, uh, center in Miami. She had a high rise going up. She said in Monaco, a uh, world class hotel there, condo deal in uh, Montreal. None of it was true. I mean, it was all just, it was all just, you know, it was all just props that she was using to ingratiate herself to wealthy people. Yeah, she would learn enough about the Barton plan, about the Barton project, right, so that she could talk about it in a conversational manner to say that, oh, yeah, we're doing this, and we got this, and this is how many units there are, blah, blah, yes. blah, right? So yes. typical grifter stuff. Um, so <laughs> so she's down there. We have, the, we, have the, you know, we have the Secret Service. We have, you know, probably private security, too, I'm assuming, down at, at, at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> we have some of the brightest of the brightest. We have Giuliani, right, who is Mr., you know, law and order down in, in New York when he was there in New York. We have all of these people. None of them pick it up. The person that finally says, hey, what the hell is wrong with you guys? <laughs> this, is, this woman doesn't exist. Is a dude, a little hustler down in uh, down in South Florida by the name of Lawrence Dean. He like rents out yachts and fast cars to to rappers and visitors and probably you know some oligarchs um, who are down there trying to have a good time and impress people. That's what he does. And he happens to come in there and talk to them and go, "Hey, what are you guys doing? <laughs> this chick is a fraud." Um, you want to talk about that? Because that's what I find so ironic about your story is that the hustler who rents out fast cars and fast boats to people is the guy that has to come in here, right, with all the with all the learned folks and go, you've been dealing with a hustler. You've been had. Mm -hmm. Why don't you talk about yeah, that, about so Lawrence Dean? Yeah, Dean Lawrence is actually a friend. Of, oh, Dean Lawrence. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Dean Lawrence is actually a friend of Ray J, the rapper, and Kodak Black. And so there was an event at Mar-a-Lago where Trump was going to meet with Kodak Black, the rapper, who he had pardoned on gun-related charges before Trump left office. So Kodak was coming there for the first time. Ray J was going to be there. 
and Ray J asked that Dean go along with them. So just by coincidence, Dean Lawrence was kind of a musical director for Rothschild Media Label. He was also helping to promote uh, Sophia and, Roth and Tarasenko. So he knew, he, just by chance, and what a coincidence, he gets invited there this night, and, and Trump was trying to g gather support among prominent black, uh, uh, you know, uh, entertainers and such uh, for his next run. So um, he shows up. There's a dinner there. Giuliani's there. Uh, the former um, uh, police commissioner of New York, who he's always with, was also there. Bernard Carrick. Bernard Carrick. Bernie Carrick. Yeah. And also um, Kodak Black shows up. Kodak came a few hours late. So Dean gets there. And he meets with Trump's, one of Trump's top fundraisers named Carolyn Wren. And he starts, as she sees his uh, nameplate or something about Rothschild, he sa she says, what do you do? He said, I'm with Rothschild Media Label. And she goes, oh, it's an evil family. And she turns around and walks away. And he's thinking, what the hell? What did I say? And so later in the night, he meets with one of Trump's big donors, Richard Kofin. And he says to her, Richard, as they strike up a really nice conversation, hey, I have a question for you. I ran into Carolyn Wren. Do you know her? He goes, of course. We're all here together. We see each other a lot. And he mentions this to him. And then COVID, and COVID said, um, I'm not sure why she said that. And then Dean, a light bulb goes off and says, oh, I bet you I know what it is. And he brings out a picture of Ina Yashishin. Don't, don't forget, he had once rented her one this um, luxury car. And so he had her driver's license. And he said, do you know her? He goes, yes. COVID says, she was in my house. And she was here. And all of a sudden, the light bulbs go off. And everybody says, so then they both go over to see Carolyn Wren. And he said, look, I want to clear something up. When I mentioned Rothschild and you said they're evil, apparently what's happened was there was a bad ex We don't know to this day what happened. Something transpired between um, Carolyn and Ina Yashisha, also known as Anna de Rothschild. Carolyn didn't want to talk about it with me other than, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, okay. We can talk about this later because I think the story is going to grow into something that you'll be very interested in someday. <laughs> and it's not there yet. Right. This is still a, a, a you know a story we're peeling back the layers. So he shows her. She goes, oh, my God, I know her. Turns out they were all at dinner together. When they when she was going in there as Anna de Rothschild, they had all gone out to dinner they had partied together. They had stayed at the beach. There was a beach part of Mar-a-Lago, the beach club portion of it, under A1A, where you can walk under a tunnel from the mansion to the beach club. And they all gathered there a couple times, along with Kimberly Gafoyle, who is Donald Trump Jr.'s fiance. They were all together. So this is like one of these holy moments. Right. Finally, it just all comes out. She, so she gets it. She takes a picture of the picture. She passes it around in a group chat. 
And that's when Dean Lawrence basically said, be careful. She is not who she said she is. Everything's blown up on this and you need to run for cover. And that's what happened. Okay. <laughs> that's amazing. I look forward to finding out what happened between her and Carolyn Wren, because it did seem a little interesting in your story where once Dean Lawrence uh, shows her the, uh, the 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 driver's license right and she takes a picture and sends it to everybody and i was like well why would she do that i thought they were all cool um but apparently she was not so we'll wait for that part <laughs> um yeah that that's amazing so that's the most delicious part of this story robert for me and that is that all of the brightest and biggest wallets you know at the private at the private club none of them can see this including the former police commissioner of new york but it took the little guy hustling fast boats and fast cars to go, hey, dudes, you better watch your better watch your wallets because, you know, she's a fraud. Yeah, things had just blown up earlier. He had been um, told about the thieves-in-law ripoff from another Russian who was looking for her. He was this Russian was also involved in cars, but he was the one that hooked up Ina with the thieves-in-law. So he was looking for her. And Dean, I so, know this guy, also Valerie at that point had broken up with her over all these deals. And he knew Valerie from Valerie's daughter. So all this stuff started coming out. So Dean was well aware of her fraud and how she had carried herself. Um, and look, we interviewed enough guests that were there over those days. She did definitely talk to, you know, no matter what she tells other people, I can tell you, they definitely thought she was out of Rothschild. She went on yeah. to tell them about how she was raised in Monaco amid these right. great family estates and and um, vineyards and, uh, you know, all these developments that she was involved in. She clearly let it be known to them with no uncertain terms she was a Rothschild. Yeah, your, your story's pretty clear on that from everybody. They were saying, oh, no, no, she was playing it to the hilt. Um so where is Ina? Well, oh, I have another question. So while she was at Mar-a-Lago, right, with the Giuliani's and the co-feds and all those folks, were the thieves-in-law on her tail? Yeah. Or like they still, yes. were they trying to find yes. her and take her? Yes. And that also raises questions about security. Security questions. So now you've yeah. got a woman in that's not just a grifter, but she was an active participant in Russian organized crime. She allowed them to move their money into her charity. And then she ripped him off and kept all the money. So at that point in time, she was a target of Russian organized crime as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know, you don't want people like that in a place like that when the former president's there and Lindsey Graham is there. And, and, and uh, you know, I could go down the whole list. She showed up the next week for a fundraiser. Kimberly Gafoyle invited her to a fundraiser. Uh, for Governor Greitens, the disgraced governor of Missouri, who had Missouri. resigned yeah. because of um, um, sexual, um, all sorts of you know sexual misconduct, um, and he showed up. He was running for the U.S. Senate. They had a big fundraiser for him there, and she showed up as Anna de Rothschild, and he <laughs> signed four of his books over to her. To Anna, I saw that. Stay strong, you know. To Anna, <laughs> you know, your friend from your friend. Yeah, he was hoping for that big uh, donation, that max donation. So, so where is Ina now? Where is she now? I believe she's living in Miami, in the Miami area. Um, 
Um, we don't know precisely. Where. She's not behind bars. No, no, she's still there as an F FBI investigation. Um, I believe they're looking at the charity as well as the breach, uh, but nothing's come of it yet. So are there charges pending or, or they're no, waiting for the investigation I, I to run its course? wondering whether they flipped her or not. You know, they could have flipped her right now. So we don't know. Well, I'm surprised that she has lasted this long if she is not in some sort of protective custody situation. Good question. Honestly, you know, th those are things that have not. She, we did, I had a brief interview with her on phone, uh, two interviews by phone, and then she cut us off. So after the story ran, she did not want to talk about it. I think what was, she especially when we brought up our talk and the Russian organized crime connection, she pretty much freaked out and said, you know, I'd like to know how you got this information. I said, well, let's stay on the phone longer. We can talk. And she went. So, so this story is definitely still developing. Yes. Um, yes. More yeah. will come out of this. And, and we, you forgot, I don't know if you knew this, Valerie Tarasenko was shot in an ambush in October in Montreal. We're still trying to get to the bottom of that and what happened. We don't believe it was connected to Ina, but in a story like this, you just can't make this stuff up. <laughs> well, it, it's probably not connected to Ina necessarily, but it's probably connected to the lifestyle. Of course. You know, going with her, I remember when we thought poor Valerie had passed, and he didn't. I'm glad he didn't, actually. and wouldn't want to wish that on anyone. But I remember somebody saying, man, you know, you, this is what happens. You live in that world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, man, this has been a, a great story. I, you know, what, what do you think this says? Cause we also had the woman in New York, right. Who actually served time right, right? for her, yes. for her. So yeah. what, what does this say these days about how easy it is to, to get by? Does it say something about how easy it is to get by, um, on a false, you know, under these false, um, you know, uh, claiming that you're someone else, or does it say something about other people that want to believe it? I think I, it's I, the latter. I think it's saying something about the two, two people who want to believe it. I, I don't think this works in Cleveland. I don't think it works in Pittsburgh. I don't think it works. It can go on for a little while. But people, that, and the, you know, it's not going to work in the Midwest. It's going to work in a place like Florida, like Mar-a-Lago, where the grift and the fraud artists have been a part of that world for generations. Um, you've always had people there that reinvented themselves. And South Florida is one of those places. And people there love the, they see the high-end car, they see the jewelry, they see this very attractive woman, and she says, I'm a Rothschild. Well, you know, I want to believe it because I want to be near you. I want to be around you. I want to, and it's like John Lefebvre, John Lefebvre is saying he's a best-selling author who was at Mar-a-Lago when she was there. He's, everybody was eating it up. Everybody was saying, whoa, we got a Rothschild here. You know? it, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right, Michael. I think it says something about the listener. They want to believe that they're 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 special enough that a Rothschild is paying attention to them and they're hanging out with a Rothschild. I think that, I think that makes it a lot easier for these scammers and these grifters to get on by. And you're right. I don't think that would work in Toledo, though it did work in Cleveland with, with our friend, 
Um, I had that right. Yeah, that's true. Although he never really showed, I mean, he was there briefly, but he had pretty good front men for him, you know, running the scheme, you know, and of course, you know, you, when you set up Delaware shell companies and LLCs and you move your money secretly through the Cayman Islands, that's a tougher nut, but they're more sophisticated. They have lawyers and everything else. Got to give her credit. She did it on her own. She didn't need LLCs and lawyers and and, and shell companies in the Caribbean to perpetrate her scam. No, no. All all Ina needed was uh, was a Kinkos and mm-hmm. uh, a lamination mm-hmm. machine, and she was good to go. Though so I, I did, a lot of old I, men. I, guys she dated were all over were all over sixty, you know, seventy. So oh, they were. Oh my God, she dated these guys. I, I won't go there. We, we can have a lot of conversations <laughs> off camera. <laughs> Michael, you're, you're killing you're, me. You're, 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 you're a family uh, a pot. You know? uh. <laughs> I mean, but I, she had these uh, guys that uh, were like going gaga over her and she hit them up for a lot of money. Look, they they spent. You're talking about, you know, trips to Monaco and Paris and 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 jewelry and five star hotels and and money launderers. I mean, you got the you ran the gamut. You know. Well, well, I think we're gonna tag her when we put this show out. So I hope she watches it. Ina, if you're watching later down, you know, in the in the future world here, please, uh, you know, hit us up. So we can hear your side of the story because I want to get some of that. I want to get some of that gossip too, Michael. This has been a great story, and what I really like is that it's not over. And I like the fact that she's still out there. Um, you know, I've done a lot of stories with people who have committed some pretty horrendous crimes, and they're walking around still. Um, and so this falls right in that line of actually doing a public service announcement. And we'll have her picture her picture up. So if there are any like well off men over 65 in Miami, you know, they, they'll know to stay away, <laughs> not to take the bait. Michael Sala, Pulitzer Prize winning writer uh, for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You're a great friend of our show. And this is a really, really good story. Yeah. I mean, are any cable, any streaming companies knocking on the door on this? Yeah, actually, there are. They are. Well, I, have been, I have been talking to some uh some folks uh, about it. I think it's, uh, I think it's a story. I think they're a little early on it yet. I think there are things, I think there's some things that are going to, that are going to unravel here soon that will make it even more interesting. Okay. All right. Good. I love it. Um, thank you so much for being here. And um, this was a great story and I look forward to talking to you more when we get the conclusion. And I hope that's soon. Okay, it was fun. Be well. Hey, if you like what you hear, like and subscribe. It really means a lot, and we would love to have you coming back every week. Thank you. When I'm on my Donald Trump shit, look at all this money. Ain't that some shit? We gon' take over the world while these haters getting mad. That's why all my bitches bad. They see this crazy life I have in A&R. We gon' win. You can take the loser draw. What I'm in. Got these hoes who used to play me in they bars. We gon' take over the world while these haters getting mad.